Good evening and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our live weekly Q&A. Tonight we're fortunate enough to be speaking with Lee Micken from Micken's Working Dogs. Lee will be picking who he thinks has asked the best question of the night and they will win a bag of Enduro. Hind you food for Working Dogs with Real King Rumo. Hey Lee, how you going? Yeah, good guys. How are you? Good, thanks mate. Had a, a nice cruisy day, what a sound of things today. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a bit of a recovery day after a pretty heavy session yesterday on the handpiece and I haven't done that for a while. So yeah, it was good. Just cruised around and uh he looked after the daughter, did her school run and that sort of thing. And yeah, cruisy. Where's home, Lee? Uh we're about twenty Ks west of Loxton towards Swan Reach in South Australia now, mate. Yeah. You've been there all, all your life or moved around a bit? Nah, I moved around a bit. I'm Pinaroo born and bred and then uh, yeah, married a Loxton girl and moved up here. Um, oh, nearly 18 years ago now, I suppose. And, and then, uh, yeah, we, we bought the place we're on now oh, a bit over 12 months ago, so really enjoy it. We had a 20-odd Ks out of town now with 10 acres, enough room for the um, for the pack of mongrel dogs and a few trainer sheep, so we're grinning. 18 years, mate. Are you a local yet? Uh, no. There's still a lot of people around this area I don't know. <laughs> so, all good. <laughs> Beautiful. Mate, for people out there that might not, not know yourself, do you want to just introduce, like, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, what, what you've done? Yep, yep. Um, yeah, good. Like I said, been very born and bred. Um, yeah, I spent, well, did all my schooling sort of between Pinaroo and Lamaroo schools in South Australia and said to mum and dad all the way through, I'm going to be a shearer when I get out of high school. So I finished high school and went shearing for um, oh, six, six years, I think. Met my wife, married her. Um, yeah, then from left Pinaroo, moved up to Loxton and then uh, got into the feedlot game for the next 16 years. Was working full-time on uh, mainly Westbrook feedlot and then out at uh, Wanby Park feedlot for a bit. And, um, yeah, and then oh, earlier this year, we've sort of laid off all that full-time work now and doing a bit of contracting and, yeah, cruising along and having a good time. So. Did you you mention meeting me the bride there? Was that work related or away from work? Oh, funny story. <laughs> met, met her on a blind date through a shearing mate. <laughs> and <laughs> ever since had our nineteenth wedding anniversary yesterday. So, well, congratulations, mate. Was is she blind or the date was blind? Uh, the date was blind, yeah. Hey, the funny thing about it was the day the date happened, I drove from Pinaroo to Millicent, trialled my dog round second, then hooked in the ute, we drove all the way back to Berry to meet Kate on a blind date that night. So it <laughs> wasn't a bad day, I suppose. You said you came second, though? Yeah, I did. I ran second to Ian O'Connell, actually, that day with his old dog, Begala Jet, in the novice down at Millicent. So we had something to about, right? A conversation starter. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, Even then, she knew yeah. you were pretty dedicated to your dogs, obviously. Oh, we'd sort of been talking on the phone before that, and I said to her, all I said to her when I first sort of started speaking was, I hope you like dogs. And she <laughs> goes, yeah, yeah, we've got one here. I said, oh, that's only one. That's her all. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's all good. And, mate, obviously, like, from having a bit of a yarn then, like, you've had a long, like, term, like, shearing in feedlots. Have you ever thought about doing anything away from the livestock industry? Nah, mate, I love it. Like I said, I've always always wanted to um, work with, or predominantly sheep, done some goat work as well. We'll touch on cattle work a little bit, but not a lot. But um, 
but yeah, you no, know, just even from a kid from a young age, just wanted to work in the livestock industry. So yeah. What is it that you love? Oh, I just love being outside, mate, and especially working with the dogs. You know, it's 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 one of those jobs where I can take me buddy best mates to work every day. So it's good fun. And day to day with your dogs, what was it looking like? You know, when you're in the feed lot. It was it was full on like um yeah it was cool nothing when I when I sort of um yeah finished up at Westbrook's here I was organising ten to twelve B double loads a week of lambs going out plus um dealing with lambs coming back in and um you drenching and inoculating that to go back into the feed lot. so it was full on yeah it was it really was it was it was five days a week and often twelve hour day or at least five days a week and often twelve hour days so. You know, I sort of, when I started there, I had three dogs and they quickly worked out real fast. I'm going to need a lot bigger team or they're going to wear out. So, yeah, but that's really, really what kicked me off into getting into the numbers of, of, of dogs I've got now. So, And, and were you living on farm, mate? Uh, no, we we had a place in, in at Loxton that we bought ourselves. So yeah. it was only 20, only 20k drive from home out to work each day. So at least, uh, at least I could get away from it at night, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the reason I ask you, you said like you know five days, but it's not really five day a week job, is it? Like no, you, no, no, it's it's five day days a week job, nearly. Yeah, five five days a week was the minimum. Like it was because we were rostered on for weekends, and then and then if things didn't go to plan, you know, if if the lambs weren't quite heavy enough and whatever you were trying to find, well, then sometimes it would cut into your weekends too, and and yeah, it'd be nothing to to weigh lambs seven days a week at times to to get enough of the contracts to fill. So. I think sometimes people overlook just how intense feedlotting, and especially in a large operation, is like it, yeah. it's a high energy um, workplace. Yeah, it it really is. I mean, when I was at Westbrook, there, when I sort of finished up with them, we had sixty five thousand lambs on hand. So, oh shit, we were, we were going hard. The dogs were going hard, and yeah, I'd take eight dogs to work every day work them in pairs and just keep rotating them and it's all you could do and, and you'd bring a main dog to it every night, you know, you'd, you'd dish out their bickies and sometimes in the morning you'd go to get them out the kennel to go to work again and, and they've only just started eating their tucker because they've been asleep all night, so. But yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, and you're all right? That's no, all right, you go. Oh, oh sorry, I was just going to say, with 65,000 lambs, like, where, where were they going? Uh, predominantly export weights, mate, yeah, yep. Yep, a lot of them were going through the JBS system, um, especially at Border Town because it's not that far from Loxton. It's only about a couple of hours, two and a half hour trip. Um, but yeah, we'd been known to send them up to Wagga down into Victoria, anywhere, anywhere where they, you know, we could get them in pretty much. So, but yeah, it's high, high, high turnover. Like I've always said, feed lotting's a numbers game, and and we were, I mean, we had sixty five thousand lambs on hand, but we were turning over one hundred fifty thousand plus lambs a year. So, she was pretty full on. Just unreal. Yeah. So how many dogs were you sort of running then? Uh, I had a team of eight that I could yep. take to work and get the job done with. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and they ranged from, you know, like the, what, the one thing I did like about the feedlotting game, I could take a, a seven or eight-month-old pup that I had left and the right and the stop on and drop him in the back of the force pen of the scars. And you know what I mean? And he would be doing what comes actually bringing sheep to me, weighing lambs. But yet you could teach them so much on the job while you're there because you could teach them to stop and wait for a gate. And they were getting their sides by casting around the next pen and pulling up. You know what I mean? 
teach them yeah. the back there. You can do a lot of lot of training on the run with a young pup, and and I've often I've had a few of them there on our um, main dog at the moment, Kelwell Gus, at eight months old. There was nothing he could sort of he couldn't do at the feed lot already. So he was just one of them real fast learning pups and and very confident and just gone ahead from there. So. And for the people out there that don't know a lot about feeling, like you mentioned weighing lambs there, like that's a constant thing, like yep. you guys are doing there near every day, right? Like, yep, every day. And I mean, we still had contracts to fill in January when it was 40 degrees. You were there at 4.30 in the morning, as soon as you could see, you're into it. So, And you're running in what, increments of like four to five kilos and three to four Way drafts, I'm, just, I'm assuming. Pretty much, mate. Yeah, we had a six six way auto drafter. Yeah, sort of five kilo increment split. So, yeah, a lot of um, lot of work there for young dogs, mate. <laughs> plenty, plenty. <laughs> and you were shearing prior to that. Um, yep. I'm assuming you had your dogs when you were shearing as well. Yeah, I had a few when I was shearing. Um, yeah, I had a all oh, my first. First dog, old, old Shadow, he was a black and tan kelpie I picked up off a mate down in Pinaroo there. Um, yeah, I used to cart him shearing with me everywhere. He was, a, he was a handy enough dog. I won my first trials with him, but he also, um, you know, he was one of them dogs you could take shearing with you and you walk into a shed and you chuck his hash and bag in the corner and tell him to sit in the corner and he'd, he'd sit there till he'd hear sheep on and he'd be waiting at the catch and pen gates. Like, didn't care who was opening the gates, he'd just go and do the job. So that's the sort of dog he was. And yeah, I got him and then I got another one, then another one. And yeah, next thing, two or three, I was cutting him with me. So. And, and how did that team change when you went to the feedlot? Oh, it sort of it was all right. When I got to the feedlot, I had um, sort of three dogs at the time, which was Shadow, old Tanamai Clyde, and then Barkel Sasha. And, and they, were, they were pretty handy dogs in yards and that sort of thing from shearing sheds. And, yeah, when I first started with Westbrooks, it wasn't as big as it was when I left. Um, like they were sort of 30,000 a head on farm then. So the pressure wasn't on quite as much, but... But back then, when we started there, there was none of these buddy, um, you know, pro-way sheep bulk handlers and that sort of thing. All the drenching was done down a drench race, and that was hard slog on a dog. Yeah. So, but, yeah, anyway, so I worked out fairly quickly that I'm going to need to get a few more. So we started building the team up from there. And, and I think you said 16 years there? Uh, 15 at Westbrooks, and then did one out at Wandy Park, yeah. Yep. How did that team change over that 15, 16 years? Oh, it grew dramatically. <laughs> um, and the, the dogs that I had when I started there, a couple of them I wish I could have back. I really do. Um, yeah, you know, it's sort of, oh, it's one of those things, I suppose. I, I always look for a, for a good all-round dog that went towards the yards because I'm not a big believer in, in having a team of dogs for the paddock and a team for the yards. You know, like, I, I, it had often happened to me. I'd be flat out weighing lambs. And I'd get a message from the boss or a message from the boss's son, leave the sheep on the road. Well, it was no good going back to the kennels to go and change a dog over for one that could do that. You just grabbed what you had and the way you went. So, um, yeah, we've always looked for that all-round type dog, even though we were doing predominantly yard work. But, um, I mean, in the feedlotting game too, you, you got to have a dog with half smarts because when you're bringing desensitised feedlot lambs out of a pen that aren't scared of anything anymore, you know, like it's yeah. got to be out of read their stock and cover and hold especially, but apply forward pressure at the same time to hold them at the gate until the till the silly buggers would actually have a look and walk out. So, but yeah, but that's Absolutely. sort of why it went. So. Absolutely. So I'm just scouring for a question there because you mentioned about having an old dog back and someone actually asked that question 
in a lot of I'm sorry to find out who asked the question so I don't steal steal David, from her. David Wittenbury, I reckon. I think um, it was. I may have been. Um, oh, where is it? I will find it and we will put credit to, to who asked that question. But who, yeah. who is that dog that you wish you had back home? Oh, look, I had that after that come up the other night. I've had a chat with Kate about it. And honestly, like, they're sort of, or really, like, I've still got this particular dog, but through injury, it's it's done him in for work. Do you know what I mean? And he's only a seven year old dog. But if I could have Hogan's Toby back before his injury, I would. Um, he's probably the best dog we've ever had, but. He's still alive with us, and, and we cherish the old fellow, but he just does a bit of help and train pups and a little bit of yard trial and now that's all he, all he's sort of capable of with the, with the injuries he's had. But, but uh, yeah, I, I mentioned old Tanner Mike Clyde before, mate. If I could have him back, he's as yeah, good a true all-round uh, sheep dog as I've ever had. So. Yeah, and, and what was it about um, Toby? Like if you, he, you, he, you went straight to Toby. You did not hesitate for a second. <laughs> Toby, like I said, I've still got him, but if I could get him back pre-spinal cord injury, um, I'd just love to have him back, mate. He's just just one of those dogs that yeah, you can cast him into a paddock, you know, and, and work him on about a thousand years and land the foot in the paddock and real nice and say nothing, just sit on a wing and just watch him and, and appreciate what he did on his own, and but yet take him back to the yards and and as powerful back and bark as you'd ever want. Um have back have have actually backed him through a gateway in the paddock over a thousand years to start the lead, you know, just that sort of dog. And and but but biddable to everything you ask of him and and just never seen put a foot wrong. He he really understands the pressure and relief bit and I think that's what made him so good at his trial and um because he, he'd go around put enough pressure on and when the sheep would start to go, he'd actually pull up and sit himself. You wouldn't have to tell him. He's just real smart dog and yeah. Unfortunately, he got uh, cut cut fairly short in his career with um, bad injury. So, but that happens. Sad, sad story to tell me. At least you still have him. Close yeah, he's still here. He's still here. But the worst thing about it, like the spinal cord injury, was a spinal cord injury. Um, it was a soft tissue injury. It's just one of those things. It's just time, you know. So, but we got him back to work, and then and uh, got him back to trial, and then. Yeah, he won. He went back to trial and went back to winning again, and that was all good. But then he popped the cruciate ligament. And now he's done the second one, and it all stems from that injury. So, yeah, um, due due to the spinal cord, he actually had no feeling in his right rear leg anymore, and so that was the first one that let go. And uh, fourteen months later, we we got him fixed and we got him over that, and he actually won the Darling River Championship in the yards at Wentworth uh, last August. That was his last open win, and he popped the second one about two weeks later. And yeah, since then, it is what it is, you know. But anyway, we still got him. So we still have him. And and to give credit there, it was David Whittenberry that did that. Yeah. Uh, I knew it would be. All good. So over the years, you know, coming from shearing to to feedlot to contracting now, you obviously still like the same. Maybe not style of dog isn't the right word, but has that changed from each time? Have you progressed to what you actually want in a dog? Um, yeah, I have because when I was at, at Westbrook's, like when I was when I was shearing, you know, you look for yardy shed type dogs, you know, back bark, push, um, not afraid to be in there. You know, some of the sheds you're working in, especially when I was shearing down south, big mongrel first cross ewes that were just, a, you know, 
bits of buggers mm-hmm. to dogs. And so they had to be tough enough and stand up to it and, and show a bit. So when I got into the feedlotting game, yeah, those dogs I had were okay for that. Um, they were still handy outside. Like Clyde was especially good in the paddock. Um, and, yeah, but they have – it sort of has changed a bit, I suppose, and I've, um, yeah, come into it and thinking about it now. Like, but when I was at Westbrooks, I was still – Still doing a bit of paddock work too, and even out at Wombi, still doing some um, some paddock moves and that sort of thing as well. So still, we're still looking for that all-round dog um, that sort of you know was handy in the paddock, but but nice and strong in the yards, I suppose. But and now I'm in the contracting side of it, still look for that type of dog. I haven't had any mustering jobs yet since I've sort of started on the contracting side of it. But um, had one young dog that I was able to get hold of about 18 months ago um, due to being too full on for the owner that had him that. I was thinking about putting in the auction later in the year, but got him on some big crutching trailer jobs and realised I can't let him go now. I sort of need him. So he's just one of them get up and go dogs and have a crack 300% from the word go and go all day. So, yeah. And you mentioned earlier about, you know, taking the seven or eight month old pup to work when you're in the feedlots. And yep. now that you have changed with, with your contracting for yourself, has that changed in the way you get those young dogs going? Yeah, it has a bit, mate. I've sort of, I've sort of discovered that fairly quickly. Like when you're contracting, you know, you, your reputation's everything. So you, someone's employing you to do a job. So you're not going to roll up there with an eight-month-old pup. You're trying to get going and only do half the job, if that makes sense. You're going you're gonna to take the dogs, you know, can do the job and uh, and just try and get that bit more time into that pup at home. But, um, but the, the good thing about the feedlot, because I was full-time there, um, I could drop those pups in there because – and I'd still have the jobs there, dogs there with them that could get the job done, if that makes sense. But but I was full time there, so it was yeah. Now I'll be well, I could be down at um, the old Dunkel the other week on the crutching trailer, and then back up at Tilopia Downs, you know, working for a different contractor. And and you want to go there and put put your best team forward and show you can do the job, and hope it leads to more work later on. You know what I mean? So you, you you're not yeah. going to want to chuck a half starter pup in there and have something go horribly wrong. So yeah. that's why I have to look at it. So. Mm-hmm. So, so, and I 100% agree with you there, mate. 100% totally understand what you're saying and back you up with that. Do you find now that you lean on the old faithfuls a bit more? Yeah, yeah I, I, I am a bit. I've got a <laughs> couple of oldies here at the moment in, in old Warramara Joker, the old Collie Dog, and then old uh, Weekery Paddy, Paddy the Wonder Dog. Yeah, the boys are now eight and a half and nine, and, and we're still taking them. and. We just, yeah, you know, they're there and we know we can use them if we need to, but yeah, we, we just give them a give them a run every other day, you know, for, for a run just to rest the younger ones more than anything, but, but they still love it as much as the rest of them. Just uh, just trying to look after them as they get older, that's all. Yeah. And love that you're not racist, mate. Like you, you mentioned your colleagues there, you're actually wearing a black and white shirt at the moment too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you've got a bit of a mixed camp there. Yeah, I have at the moment. I've got as many black and whites in my camp as I've ever had. I've got four here at the moment. So plus plus the old crossbred dog in Paddy. So yeah, oh, well, if we had the other crossbred, the wife's red eel across in there, she done work for. <laughs> so we, we're sort of not really a racist camp. No, we, I'm a I'm a yeah, big believer in a good dog's never a bad colour sort of thing. So yeah, and each to their own. There's good and bad in both breeds or all breeds. So yeah, just find the dogs that that we like that do the job we want and um, sort of try and stick with them and stick to those type of lines. That's what we're doing. So, Love it, mate. And do you find that um, 
like they both contribute differently to your team? Um, yeah, or it's very similar across the breeds. Like your collies are very fairly similar to your kelpies as well. Yeah, well, Joker is, mate. He's, well, I've had a few people tell me he's just a kelpie in a black and white suit, you know, like, and he's he's actually not the best paddock dog I've got. The best paddock dog I've got is is young Kelvale Gus or Toby before his buggy, you know, that are kelpies. So it's, um, I mean, Joker can get the job done, but he's always been one of those dogs that, that he's just in the paddock. He's actually a bit too pushy, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, for a dog that should be wide and off him and, and yeah, nah, he's up there and going, can't move. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's all good. You keep mentioning we when you're talking about contracting. Does your family travel with you as well when you go away? Oh, not when I go away so much, but yeah, my young fella, Joy, he's 18 now. And he, he was actually with me yesterday helping with these great monsters we were trying to get crushed <laughs> down at Hydrix. So, yeah, he does a, does a little bit of work for me. And we, we can, well... We're, we're definitely a team here at Mickens Working Dogs. Like the family contributes quite a bit when I'm away because I'll take six dogs with me and someone's got to feed and look after the other 12 and run them when I'm not home. So it's a, it's a team game. So, yeah. I'm glad you highlighted that, Laura. I, and, I just, and... yeah. I kept picking <laughs> up on it and I thought, oh, there's there's something more there. So. No, no, yeah. no. I'm, I'm the one that does the travel. I'm the family that stays home and keeps the fires burning, if that makes sense. Yeah. You've got to know where to come back to, mate, right? You need a warm room. Oh, exactly, mate, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned Jai. Yeah. Mate, how does that make you feel taking your young fellow to work with you? Oh, I love it. No, he's, he's good. It's good fun. Um, yeah, he's <laughs> he's funny. I sort of got him some work at Westbrook's on the weekends with me. Um few years ago when we were over there and, and he, he's got a bit of natural flair for working stock and I had an old dog at the time, you look at diesel and him and him and Jai grew up together and were great mates and there was nothing Jai couldn't do uh, with diesel sort of thing and you know I'd often say, oh mate, can you go shed them sheep, grab diesel, go shed them sheep up for bloody shearing tomorrow, I just got to go down and put some grain in these bins down the feedlot, expect them to come back and help him, I'll get back jobs done, like it was, yeah. but uh, even though he's got a bit of a natural flair about it, mate, he really does not like working with sheep at all. He, he doesn't even call them sheep. He goes, oh, I hate that species, Dad. Lucky they taste good. <laughs> that was my next question. What's what, him coming to work with you? Does he aspire to work with you or does he want to do something else? Oh, he's he's actually, this will make a few people laugh. He's, he's well, he's right into boxing and fighting he wants to actually be a professional fighter and i've sort of said well look mate i've got not an issue with that because it's a good disciplined sport and everything else so i said but until you're going to start making enough money the old man can retire it's going to be a hobby and you'll have to get a job so <laughs> that's about how it goes but he he trains pretty hard with that five nights a week and and yeah he, he's really aspiring to, to get into that game if he can so but he um but he still likes his animals and the dogs and that and yeah good to have around so all good and, and obviously he's got you for a bit of a role model there but who inspired you with your dogs oh look the first, <laughs> um peter bars old man old kelvin twisty bar um was the man that got me started like the whole story started and the reason why i got my first dog um was anyway dad and grandpa used to run some big nasty bloody weathers out home down there at pinaroo and Anyway, the old twisty Kelvin turned up there one day to truck those shippers out um, down, to, down to the uh, dock there. And 
anyway, because Dad and Grandpa's muggle sheep were in here for jumping out. But what was funny is because no sooner had they started and one jumped out, then two jumped out, and Dad and Grandpa are heading for the ute and the motorbike to go and get them back. And and uh, Twisty piped up and said, no, 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 leave them there. I've got a secret we- weapon in the toolbox. And they sort of looked at him and yeah, right, that's not a gun, is it? So, yeah. Anyway, so finished loading the rest of the truck and then Twisty went over to the box and let this old black and oh, you wasn't old at that stage, a young black and tan dog out with a big white chest he had called uh, Baloka Junior and just cast him around these two weathers and he went and picked them up and all Twisty did was head from the truck back through the yards and opened all the gates and Junior brought those two sheep in the whole way around through the yards and put them on the truck. And... Uh, so I got home that night and that's all Dad could do was rave about this dog. And he said, if you're ever going to get one, get one by Junior. Well, I'll shout him the first dog was by Junior. He had to be out of our share farmer's old bitch chook. And, and yeah, so I did. And that sort of started from there and started getting some help with Twisty to get him going. And, yeah, just sort of fell in love with it and been going with it ever since. So, yeah, it's good fun. Like, yeah, especially got to watch young peter grow up while i was out there getting help and all the rest of it and we're good mates too and spend a fair bit of time together with dogs as well so it's good and he he was a kelpie dog was he oh shadow was yeah yep yep big black and tan kelpie yeah yep. yep so then you had a bit of affiliation with kelpies then why and you're very open-minded about your team where yep. what happened there when you went oh i'll put a collie add a collie in Good mate of mine, Joe Gerritsen. Um, knew him through the shearing game, actually. Yeah, he saw old Shadow when I was shearing in a shed down south there when I was, oh, crikey, I might have been in my very early 20s. And we were shearing on a raised board and Shadow was sitting in the corner and Joe was wool class and he just come up to me and he goes, oh, he's a handy enough dog, mate. Said, yeah, he doesn't go too bad, mate. And had a bit of a chat and this and that and whatnot. And then anyway, I didn't see Joe for about five or six years. And, and then all of a sudden he's come out and, having a bit of a crack at trialing and he's working this big black and white dog called Hank that he bred, Warramara Hank. And I watched Hank work and I thought, geez, you know, he's a pretty handy dog. He was he was a big dog, um, tri-colour, but mostly white, but black around his eyes and a few black patches on his body, but just had an awesome effect with his stock. You know, he'd hop in a pen with his sheep and the sheep would just want to get out of there. He was one of them dogs that was, you know, he'd, he'd do minimal work for maximum effect and, and if you're looking for dogs that are going to last all day, they're the sort of dogs you want, in my opinion. So, anyway, cut a long story short, we, I liked old Hank, and we found out that Hank throws, throws the odd white pup, and Joe wasn't a big fan of him, so he'd give him away. And uh, Kate got on to him. He goes, right, next time you get a pup by Hank that you don't want because it's too white, I'll have it. And Joe said, oh, yeah, right, I no worries. Anyway, I get a phone call from Joe one night. He goes, look, I've got this litter here, Lee. He said, um by Hank out of, out of old one girl, Isabel. I said, yeah, yeah. He said, I'll do your deal. I'll give you a nice black and white pup if I can get one of your red and tan ones out of Rosie from mate of mine. I said, oh, okay, no worries. So anyway, so we did a pup swap and that's how the first collie come to come to be. And I got told from the start by Kate that as soon as he got home, he's not going anywhere, he's staying here. So it's lucky he's turned out all right. It is lucky. <laughs> yeah. And we've now got a nephew of his too from Joe. Um, Jasper, he's about... Eight or nine months, he's going along all right. Got a bit more to do with him yet, but he's nearly ready to come to work. And then we picked a couple of pups up by old Joker the other week that I've shown sheep and at eight weeks and they kicked in the gear and went to work straight away. So got a couple of exciting little black and white prospects here. We'll see how they go. Yeah. It, 
if that young fella's nine months old and he's nearly ready to come to work, what's he doing? Oh, he's balancing, stopping, coming off his stock. It's about really all I need yeah. to get to get somewhere. You know, like haven't actually shown him a drenching race yet because if I you know, if I get on a crutch and trailer job, which I've got coming up in the next couple of weeks, I'll probably possibly drop him in the back so long as he'll stop when he's asked and take pressure off. Um, he can do a bit, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So I'll look at it. Um, yeah. Question here from Hayley Wilson. She's asked, what have you found the best method for training your dogs? Ah, best method for training my dogs. Well, you got to start with a dog that likes you, obviously, that you want to spend time with, basically. Um, if you've got a dog you don't like and it doesn't like you, you're not going to want to spend the time. So it's just work on typical, you know, you get that pup you like and everything's going well and then and then you, the best method for training, you just want to get the instinct out and then really just label actions they're already doing. Like it's not rocket science. Um, we're not teaching them to do anything. They do it naturally. All we're doing is labelling in action. So that's the way I work with, sort of that command over instinct. It's the best way to go, I think, for um, for working stock. So, yeah. Good advice, mate. And you mentioned there that you got a litter there eight weeks old at the moment? No, a little bit older than that. Yeah, I, I don't actually own the mother. Um, these yeah. are just a couple of pups I picked up for a service feed to the old fella. So, yeah. So, yeah, they're my two youngest pups. I've got the minute. They'll be you know, coming up 12 weeks now. They've had a couple more looks since that first look. And, yeah, I like the way they're going. So, we'll see how they go. And generally, what age do you like to start a pup? Oh, I don't mind showing them sheep, mate, at that seven, eight weeks old. Just my, my trainers are pretty quiet. Um, I will, if I've got a few little lambs on the ground, prefer to show them lambs because, you know, small sheep, small dogs. But but if I haven't, I'll often um, just get one of my quieter Merino Weathers out and, and usually drop him out on his own so he'll move around a bit. And, um, yeah, let the pups go and see what happens pretty much. So. But yeah, don't mind showing them, showing them as little fellas, and yeah, give them that sort of couple of minutes, and if it, if it clicks on and the way they go, just that couple of minutes, and take them away, and do it again in a week or fortnight's time until they're up in sort of four to five months, and then start trying balance them, I suppose. Yeah, like and, that. And would you try and normally keep a couple out of a litter for yourself, or keep the whole litter, or? Um, yeah, look, I sort of. Try not to end up with 35 dogs here. So <laughs> um, I did breed a litter last year where we had eight and I had orders for four. So I did have four of them till uh, till recently now I'm down to one left, but but had them all, the other four all started and uh, looked at the goods when they left. So just, yeah, just up and balancing nicely and, and half a stop on them sort of thing and sold them on a start of dogs sort of six or seven months old. So, yeah. Beautiful. And what's your ideal training um, set up? Um, yeah, good question. It uh, varies a bit. When I was in at Loxton North, I only had 20 portable panels, so I had a round yard set up on one end with a race down the middle and, a, and an odd-shaped force pen the other to encourage pups to push in the corners. But now that I've moved further out of town and got a bit more area, I've actually gone away from the round yard now and gone to a bigger square yard, but still with the race down the side and the force pen and another pen off the side from there. So I can sort of get the basics I need. Um, on my dogs from there. So, yeah, it seems to be working so far anyway. Beautiful. You mentioned you're on the run, game. That's what I was just going to say. With that um, race and pen off the side, so yeah. before you take your dog to work, what 
other than you know you stop and call off yeah what are you trying to get them to do in that race or are you just getting them to push them into the into the force or oh or we will like i'll introduce a pup to the race at, at four to five months and and ask you know just tie them up short and tease them with the sheep and see if I can get some bark out of them. And then, um, yeah, let them go and and see if they want to back. Um, I've been pretty lucky for the last oh, fair while now. Dogs we've been breeding are all fairly natural backing because a lot of them go back to that Toby I was talking about before. And, um, yeah, the first time I dropped Calvale Gus in there, he was right on 16 weeks and I just dropped him in the back of the race and the first thing he did was jump up and went straight to the front. So... I went, oh, he's going to back sheep. But, but do, 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 do show them the situation and see what you can sort of do. Um, it's always you've got natural backing dogs. It doesn't take much to get a bit of bit of side command on them and, and get them going where you want on top too. But, but yeah, I've got a couple of pups here at the moment that aren't as keen on it. So we're working a bit harder on getting them comfortable on the sheep and that as you do. So, But, yeah, anyway, it is what it is. Beautiful. Do you, you mentioned, like, getting a bit of bark on them there. You find you get bark on your kelpies more easier than your collies, or uh, yeah, yeah, no, nah, very much so. Um, Joker never barked until he was four years old, <laughs> and only when he thinks he needs to, and it's usually when he's jammed hard in the corner and he can't bite something on the nose. So, so yeah, um, yeah, I, I have made I've got yeah, my kelpies generally I found they're easier to get the bark, but yeah, Joker's starting two now as a nine-year-old bark when I ask him to, but <laughs> taking a long, long nine years. Yeah. Just starting to break him in. Yeah, pretty much, mate. Yeah, yeah, be good to go when he's fifteen. We'll be right. <laughs> um, do you, actually speaking of, like, do you have an age limit that you like to see your pups at a particular standard by? And if they don't, you move them on, or are you a bit more of a um, you, you're willing to hold on to them for a bit, a bit more patient than I suppose myself? Yeah, well, I'm probably. More patient now, mate, than I used to be. Um, I used to like to have a dog at work at 12 months and doing everything pretty much if I could. So, but I sort of I worked out I can generally pick the pups I know that are going to suit me from sort of six months on. You know, like if if like I said, I'm trying to get all rounders here, but if I get one that leans more towards a paddock when I want them leaning more towards the yard, you know what I mean? I'll often find a someone looking for a paddocky pup to move that one on. Um, but yeah, I sort of. Probably a bit more patient. I've got what have I got? Four, four or five pups here at the moment, uh, between nine and twelve months old, and they're all only fairly lightly started because I've been travelling so much. So, but um, yeah, in the past, especially in the feedlot job, by twelve months, I generally have them at work. So, but yeah, good. There's a question here coming from John Starr, and sort of, sort of touched on it, but we haven't really touched on it either. Um, he's yeah. asking, now that you're contracting, if mustering was to become more called for, would you need anything to your, would you need to change anything in your team um, to what you've needed in the past? Or have you got team members that would have it covered um, if you had full-time uh, mustering as such? Oh, I've got, yeah, I'll probably think I'd be able to cover it with what I've got there at the moment. Um, like I said, they've still got those two older dogs there. As I said, Joke is not the best paddock dog we've got, but he's still handy in the paddock. Oh, Paddy, the crossbred dog, he's a very good paddock dog. He'll cast as wide and as far as you, as you like. Sometimes the pony loses touch with your stock. But, but um, yeah, I've got some other younger Kelpies there that can get the job done. 
But it's, um, I mean, living where I live up here in the sort of Riverland and the Mallee area in South Australia, you know, we've got pretty big paddocks and you're not in that sort of situation where, whereas I've been working there south last week where it's 50 acre paddock, you can cast your dog around the boundary and pick the whole mob up, you know what I mean? Like it's, there's hills and there's sand hills and there's everything else. So it's sort of a bit of one of those scenarios where, where you do use a vehicle and you, you go out and you find where the sheep are and then, of course, you kick your dogs off and, and get the job going, but... But yeah, I reckon I've got enough dogs there that could comfortably do any mustering I needed them. So, do you, do you think now that you are contracting, like your variation has kind of widened into in your team? Um, probably not. Not so much yet, mate. I haven't sort of been doing it long enough for them to change too much from what I had in the feedlot. If that makes sense. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I did did discover the other day that I've got a couple of young dogs here that I did like and. And the more I do with them, the, the more paddocky, paddocky I realise they are. And I thought, well, they're probably not really going to suit the contracting so much because I've got to find those other other yardy types for these crutching trailer jobs. You know, like we down there the other week for two weeks, we put 28,000 sheep through a four-stand crutching trailer. And, and yeah. so I need dogs that are going to just keep backing up day after day and hitting the yards hard to, to keep the boys up with sheep. So, but... Um, but yeah, you still got to have those paddocky type covering hold dogs in the back of that pen too. But um, you just got to pick the teams you work together, I suppose, and yeah, work it from there. But yeah, probably at the moment looking for a couple more full-on types um, to help Arlo out. I have got another big Capri dog there, but I'll probably auction him at Lucendale. I think he's he's a bit one-dimensional for me. He's too yardy and there's not a lot of paddock work in him, so. He's all right at the moment doing what I'm doing, but um, but yeah, he's just to me, he's not all round enough dog for me to hang on to. So. Yeah. And, and you mentioned some big numbers there again. You always like to take the big cookie, mate. Like always go for the big, the bigger jobs. That's not my fault. That that's Mitch Jobs' fault. He rang me up and goes, "Oh, mate, you want to come down and help us do this job?" <laughs> I said, "Oh, yeah." When you've got it, oh, fifteen thousand to do the first week, then have a week off and do another twelve thousand after that. Oh, yeah, okay, mate, no worries. <laughs> so it's all good. It is what it is, mate. You just go and do the job and good fun shifting a lot of sheep in a day. So <laughs> we, we touched on pups there a bit earlier. I think we had we had a question there. Um, mate, when you have got like you, you mentioned a litter of eight and you had four orders. Um yep. how do you go about picking a pup for you? You mentioned like when we had that question about picking a pup you like, but how do you pick a pup for yourself, like besides liking it when they're still that tiny? Yeah, it's just, yeah, I suppose I, I look for the bold one that wants to come to me and deal with me, I suppose. I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly big bloke and, and fair, can be fairly loud at times. And, and so I look for that sort of probably the more boisterous type pup that wants to get in your face and have a go. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just who I am. I've had a few pups in the past that blokes have, have sent them to me. And, oh, I reckon they'll really suit you, but they were a little bit daunted by me as, a, as an imposing figure. So, so yeah, I'll, in the litter, mate, I'd... Yeah, look for that one that's going to be all over me and following me and bloody chewing the back of my leg and carrying on more so, I suppose. That's <laughs> yeah. uh, what I like, the little bold fellas. So. The, the little destructive ones. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> the, ones that, the ones that when the sheep stop, they start to go. <laughs> and, and talking about stopping and going, mate, someone that's done a lot of race work, um, do you like to work the outside of a race or do you dogs have to work on the inside of a race? What's... What's your preference, and especially for longevity there as well, right? Yeah, I've I've always worked them inside, mate. I've never let them outside. Um, just that's just me. I find 
it just, I suppose, I've found in the past a dog that's looking to get outside the race, or, or, I guess, or, or sat there and going, well, you're not that tough, are you? Do you know what I mean? Like, you're looking for that sort of dog that can back it up day after day. Um, yeah, you want them tough. So, if I find a dog that wants to take the easy way out, yeah, probably, I'm not saying I'll get rid of them, but if that makes sense, but I've never actually, never actually tried to teach any of them to work outside the race. And, as I said, that seems progressed in the feedlot and we got the bulk sheep handlers and that sort of thing. Well, that took a lot of pressure off them too. So, yeah, as far as it goes. So, yeah. You've been doing some training schools lately. Um, how are you enjoying that? Oh, she's just done. Um, I enjoy helping people, I suppose. And, and yeah, we've just been posting a few up. I'll be running this little instinct and basics day and, and that's gone bloody ballistic i've got people <laughs> coming from adelaide and that just to try their backyard kelpie on sheep you know like and and loving it so it's just one of those things and it's, it is a really basic day to the point we just introduce the dog to stock and if it shows it's got to be the instinct we try and get it to balance and that's about how it goes so yeah yeah and hats off to you mate because obviously the atmosphere is a little bit different um with people coming from town there to, to work their dogs compared to the workplace you're normally used to um, how many surprises are you getting from dogs coming through? Quite a few. Um, you, get, you get all manner of things turned up and you go, um, yeah, okay. And, you know, uh, you know, you ask them, you, I've seen some pretty handy little dogs that come out and are very natural with their work and say, so, you know, where'd you get that one from? <laughs> and often they go, oh, yeah, no, I picked it up from the rescue or the pound or, you know, no background on the dog, but it's just a dog that's full of loaded with instinct and just wants to work. So... We even, even got that excited. The other day, one fella from Adelaide messaged me and goes, oh, I've got a Samoyed I want to try on sheep, Lee. I said, what? He said, I've got a Samoyed I want to try on sheep. They're a herding dog. I said, oh, okay, no worries. So anyway, he brought the big fella up and initially we poked him in around the trainers and he ran around and barked a bit and then and then his nose um, nose sort of took over and, and the testosterone level in him took over and from there he just wanted to chase and hump everything. So it's sort of... <laughs> It didn't go that well, but but the owner got a good chuckle out of it, as did everyone else. So it was it was a bit of fun. But as I said to him when he left, I said, "Oh, mate, you'll have to take your mate, give him a bath, and brush the prickles out of him now." So anyway, it was good fun. Anyway. You're gonna get a couple of those finished lap hunts in there as well, mate. I don't know oh. if you agree with those little Japanese reindeer dogs. And geez, they got some noise. Yeah, well, I've got a friend over at Mildura that's got one that's also got a kelpie that we had. So. If Cara turns up here with that, I might be in real trouble. We'll see what happens. <laughs> How are you finding those like older dogs that haven't seen sheep, haven't had any sort of experience with it? How are you finding them switching on and then going through to start to train? In some ways, are you finding them harder, easier, or? Um, yeah, basically, mate. It's yeah, I don't sort of find them any harder. Like you just treat them like a pup, you know, like. You treat them like that little eight or ten week old pup that's seen sheep for the first time. And you don't do anything different with them; just they've got legs on them and can keep up with the sheep if they decide to have a go. So it's yeah, it's not sort of not finding that any different. We did have a lady up here that had an old red kelpie. She came to me with a few few years ago now called Chocolate, and he was nine years old when we started him, and she actually yard trolled him before he passed away. So. Um, didn't yard trial him with any success, but she got enough on him that she could put him around the yard dog course and she was wrapped. So, yeah. Yeah. And he was just one of those dogs that, that got picked up off the side of the road. 
over near Iron Knob when he was a pup and, and Sue ended up with him. So just it's amazing what instinct you find in some of these dogs that are just kicking around. How about it yourself? But like, no disrespect to some of the people you're dealing with, like, and, and I've got experience with this myself, but yep. sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating dealing with the different personalities. Yep. Personal growth in yourself, how, how have you, I suppose, um, matured or how have you found it like for the personal growth in yourself? Like, what have you taken on board? Oh, yeah, you just got to – I suppose I've always been pretty easy going anyway and – and yeah. I find when things are going wrong for them or not working for them, I'll probably find that humour is the easiest way to, to keep them happy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They, make, a, make a joke with it and, and they usually laugh about it. I've had a couple of couple of ladies come to me with border collies at, at different times to, to try and get them to work. And and both times they've been, you know, not, not your traditional black and white type collie. One of them was a merle and one of them was a blue and white. And there's just no instinct there. So, and I've sat there and I've said to Andrina with the first one she bought me, he was a big honey and white dog, very good at obedience and agility, but just no instinct. And so anyway, it became a joke from there with Andrina that, oh, he's a very pretty dog. That's all I used to say and she'd laugh her head off. And then she bought a Merle one this year to me to try and he was the same. And I said, Andrina, he's still a very pretty dog. <laughs> so, you know, it's, just, it's a good fun joke. And she said, no, that's all good, Lou. I just wanted to bring him over and see if he had any instincts. So, but, yeah, but, I mean, I suppose, yeah, I mean, those days we have are pretty relaxed and everyone's pretty chilled and we just, you know, chuck the barbie on with a few sausages and everyone's happy and, and I've been fine and that most of the dogs we've been getting to those days so far, a good 95% of them, we get to the point where they're showing some form of instinct by the end of the day, even if they hadn't been seen sheep before until that morning. So it's always a good start. But, and yeah. Did you find... Sorry, mate, I'll cut you short there. No, you're right. I was just trying to think of something, but I couldn't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the same problem as me. Yeah. Uh, do you find sometimes like this, those particular dogs um, get you digging deeper into your toolbox and you bring out things that you like, you kind of been told about or you thought about, but you haven't tried before and you try and you're like, holy shit, that worked. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do. Um, had a little pup at our last actual school we had. Um, the owner had a. A eleven month old dog off of me as well, but we were trying to get his pup showing some instinct, and and she's about twelve weeks and and not showing anything. And in the end, I said, "Well, we'll try her on one sheep," and that still didn't work. And anyway, I bought these couple of mad Damaras that run like hell. But after one tried to kill me and line me up at the fence, I thought that's probably not a good idea either. But but it does it does really get you thinking, like running those training days and 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 not so much the basic days when we do our schools. Someone will come in and go, "Well, I've got this problem." How can we fix it? And then if you go, well, we've got to try and set up a situation to make it come out and work out what we can do to fix it. But, yeah, you're right. It makes you really dig deep and think hard at times is to go, well, what can we do to, you know, sort that problem out? So, but, yeah, no, it really does. <laughs> have, you, have you had to fix a tongue toy to a sheep yet and get it to run with a tongue toy? No, I've never been that excited, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, haven't tried throwing tennis balls around the shape of the dog to fetch either. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a matter of time, my friend. Yeah, it could happen. You have some, some experience with that bite, is it, Daniel? Yeah, yeah there's been a couple. Um, and then once they think, hey, wait a minute, that, that sheep made that ball run or that, wait a minute, the sheep moves, the tongue toy moves, the sheep moves, wait a second, and they start to correlate and they realise, Hey mate, the, your tug toys made a sheep anyway. It's like, wait, yeah. It, it, it was something just, yeah, just, yeah, it's pretty, um, it's pretty good feeling too. Like, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. It's, on that, like, 
some of those people you get in, I'm, I'm assuming some of them like haven't really been around livestock themselves. No. And then you, you see there, you help them when their dog switches on. How much yep. self-satisfaction are you getting off the grins and the smiles off your clients? Well, heaps, mate, heaps. You know, like, and that's what it is. And and all of them, it's like I said, you get these little dogs out of the, out of the backyard in Adelaide or down the Barossa there, and they travel three hours up to here just to try them on sheep. And and when they poke them in here, like initially, we try to keep everything fairly under control because we don't want anyone getting hurt and. And that's why I only use my good quiet trainers to start with and, and often ask them to walk them in there on the lead because you know what it's like, sheep running, a dog tries to tear its buddy owner's um, shoulder out of a socket and then you go, yep, you've got instinct. We'll give, it, we'll give it a go off the lead on the next lap around. And, and yeah, and the grins they get on their faces when they see that dog. And, I mean, my trainers are nice and quiet to the point that I'll, when we get them, you know, get the instinct coming out, I'll get my good quiet trainers out that I know will follow a bit. Yeah, so, and yeah, when... As soon as they see their dog circling sheep both ways around them and, you know, you, you give them an extension in their arm like the rake or a bit of poly to teach them to steer the dog a little bit and, oh, they all come roaring up. Oh, thanks, mate. That was awesome. Oh, I was hoping that he'd be, you know, he'd have some instinct and run around. They just love it. Yeah. You get a lot of satisfaction out of it. So. And well, you mentioned the Barossa there, mate. I hope they bring a couple of balls of red with them as well. <laughs> yeah, no, you can keep that stuff, mate. No, no. I'm a barley <laughs> grape. I'm the grapes. But you mentioned there, and it was actually a really good point about you know bringing out your running sheep, getting your instinct going, and getting your train sheep out. But yeah. how do you go about getting your sides on um on on your dogs and those particular dogs as well? Yeah, well, on those instincts days, like basic days, we don't worry about putting any commands on them too much. It's just a matter of you know body language. But yeah. um, yeah, I basically. Putting, a, putting, you know, a left and right on a pup, young dog, once I get them balancing nicely or just, yep, start asking them to go that way and, and chucking the command at them to go that way, you know, just putting that command on over there in, on the top of the instinct, basically. Yeah. So that's all I really do to, to get it coming out. And once I get my, what I call my go commands, which is my back and round, my left and rights to go fetch, um, once we get from there and a bit more experience and we want to start putting driving commands on, we'll, then we start... Dropping them in once we've got that good stop on a dog at 12 o'clock and we start calling them back either side with those other commands. You know, you just practice with it and, yeah, get your quiet sheep out and so you can have your dog running a full circle virtually around you on on, uh, on four different commands I use to get right around the clock so I can get my dogs off balance where I want. So, yeah, fun. And, and you still, you've left the training pen by this stage or are you still doing those with younger dogs inside the training pen? Yeah, it's, I still, I mean, I don't train my dogs that I take to work very often. Um, the other week I gave, boy, I took more six I had entered at the Barma Three Sheep trial for a walk um, just to remind them about what paddock work is because we'd spent the week before punching sheep up the back of a crutching trailer. So, um, yeah, just to remind them they're allowed to get off their stock a bit and hold an arc and that sort of thing. But just, yeah, just fine-tune a little bit like that, mate. But but like getting those, getting those basic commands on, yeah, I'll try and get them on there in the training pen first, but especially the driving commands more so. But, I mean, the driving commands really only come into it with me with work is if I can get them out in a paddock mustering somewhere. Yeah. So, big believer too, like you're in a in the paddock in a vehicle, which you generally are with dogs, especially up in this country, and you're driving stock. You know, I, I still like my dogs to pass behind me, and people go, oh, you only don't like your dogs crossing because your trial has got nothing to do with that. You can't run over a dog if he comes behind your wheels. It's as simple as that. You know what I mean? So, so those um, 
those commands I use for my left and right pull commands, as I say, when I'm driving, I could be sitting in the middle of the mob if I like. You know, you generally call a dog back from one side, give him his go command to get out the other, stop him there, and then give him the other command to pull him back and go command to go the other way. I still like them to pass behind the vehicle so if I can get them to do it. So. Who said there's no OH&S in contracting? Look at you hey. Who said there's no <laughs> OH&S in that? Look at you. Like, like um, that's something that's never been highlighted like on our show before about calling dogs behind you so you're at less risk of running them over. Like, yep. They're worth too much, mate, for them to go under the wheels. Yeah, absolutely. I've only ever had one dog run over um, since I've been working, even in the feed lots, and that was by a co-worker. Bloke that didn't understand sheep. <laughs> I was yeah. not very happy, trust me. I never mustered with him again. I told the boss when I got back, I will not work with him in the paddock again. No worries, Lee. All good. So, yeah. Good call, mate. And obviously, just just not back of that. Like away from work. Like how important are your dogs to you away from work? Like are you you spend plenty of time with them away, just hanging yeah. out the house? Yeah. Oh well, well, not so much because I don't know them in the house yards too many at the moment. <laughs> yeah. But the uh, they like today. Well, trouble is with our new place we bought. I haven't got an actual yard around my house yet, so. If I'm going to go and give all the dogs a run, I'll go and grab Gus or, or Joker out and go and put the training sheep in the training pen because they're just <laughs> roaming the whole 10 acres. So that when I let the whole bunch of youngins out, we don't have 18 dogs working, 18 sheep sort of thing. So, so yeah, but we on a day like today where I had nothing on, yep, no, run the trainers in the yard this morning, give them all a big burn this morning, then again this afternoon and, yeah, spend some time with the pups and whatnot, playing around with them. So, all good fun. It, do you try to spend a bit of bonding time with your dogs, mate? Like your younger dogs? Bring, yeah. You bring them yeah, absolutely. And, and at the moment, like I'm getting those few pups I was saying about before, between nine and 12 months old, I'm trying to take one of them a week with me to work when I go away. So yeah. you can spend that extra one-on-one -on -one time with it, you know what I mean? So Especially when you've got five or six of them here. Yeah, they might get 15 minutes each year, but when they're away with me for a whole week, all of a sudden that recall and everything starts really clicking in. Yeah, so that makes you... Really there, yeah. right? And, yep. and you mentioned Joker there, and you mentioned Joker earlier about the bark in the corner, but like if you can't get a nose, um, yep. is, is bite on command a tool that you use fairly often? Uh, yep, it's only when things are going real pear shaped, but really, yeah. really, um, it's usually yeah. if things aren't flowing, always, you know, it's it is, it's it's got to have it like it's, but it's got to be a good constructive clean nose bite, none of that dirty grabbing stuff around the body because that just bruises stock and it's just no good to anyone. But yeah. but yeah, I try to have a good a good nose bite on most of my dogs um, for that reason, you know, and they, they especially got to stand up for themselves and doing some work on the foot pair and trailer earlier in the year on some six and seven year old composite ewes. You can imagine what they like to try and get to go up a race. So, <laughs> so fairly constructive then that every time they turn around, there was a big black and white fella, give them a kiss on the lips and they seem to turn the other way. So, <laughs> when when you're looking at um breeding a couple of pups there mate what what are you normally looking for what's normally in the back of your mind oh basically mate i just join dogs that that i like that can do the job i i want to do you know like it's pretty much like that i i don't chase any particular line um yeah i've like i said got a bit of everything here and and uh, we join dogs that, that we think might suit each other. We got young um, Kelvo Arlo there. We gave him his first litter to our little Mick and Stilly last year, and that was the eight pups we had. And 
we're really happy with the whole eight, the way they turned out. They all had plenty of nice work in them, plenty natural. So, yeah, so that's about, about the way I do it, mate. See a dog I like and got a bitch that I think will suit and away we go. So. And what about having an old favourite like Joker there? Like, do you find – do you – you put, would you put him over or have you put him over um, Kelpie Bitches? No, nah, I haven't crossbred him yet. Oh, oh, that's a lie. That's a lie. We did have a crossbred leader by Joker. He had my wife's red healer, Kelpie Cross, which was <laughs> very much an accident. And no, they went to pet homes not to work. So, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I look, I haven't, I haven't yet, mate, but I just, yeah, I don't think that the Kelpie Bitches I've had would have sort of complimented him or vice versa, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I've got good mates that you sons of his over Kelpie, the Kelpie crosses, and they're turning out all right too. So, yeah, I don't have any issues with crossbreeding if you get the right dogs together and get the result we're looking for. So, yeah. Beautiful. And, and what is it about breeding that, that you enjoy, mate, and, and watching young pups come through? Um, it's just nice to be able to take a dog you bred to work and do a job with it, I think. Um, a bit of self-satisfaction. Yeah, pretty much, mate. Well, I mean, we don't breed a lot. We're about one litter a year at the most um, because we don't need a heap of them. So it's, um, yeah, it just, yeah, that self-satisfaction of, of taking a dog that, that, you know, you put the parents together and it's turned out the way you wanted it to and, and you can go and do a job with it and be happy with the job it's doing. So, yeah. yeah. Actually, you mentioned just there before about, um, you know, you didn't, don't think you had any bitches that suited Joker. Does yep. the... How special does a bitch have to be for yourself to want to breed from them? Oh, especially when we're talking Joker, it's it's hard because it yeah, basically to find another collie of to find a collie bitch that works similar to him to yeah. get the result you want, you know what I mean? Like I I haven't I've he's been over a few bitches now and a few different bitches and and I had someone say to me one day, why have you not kept anything by a joker? And I actually said, well, there's nothing wrong with them, but they're easy to sell. People would ring me up and go, I want to show their collie lead that's going well. Yeah, no worries, I've got one here. And you know what I mean? Like, when we were living in sort of on the edge of town there, we, we didn't want to have too many spare dogs floating around them, didn't want them being a barking issue and that sort of thing. So we sort of limited our numbers. And, and at times you let pups go, you probably you didn't want to because you, you had too many, you know what I mean? So yeah. simple as that. But, um, but yeah, as far as... Yeah, bitches. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I've only got one one bitch of breeding age at the moment, and um, I we like her. She's one we bred herself, so we actually sold her as a pup and bought her back at eighteen months, and, and she's going okay. So we gave her a litter and pretty happy with the result we got. So yeah, we we'll keep mucking around and see what happens. Is what would you like to see in your own line? Oh, geez, I don't know. That's a big question. Um, <laughs> That's what we're Just everything I was talking about, mate. I suppose dogs that dogs that can do the job I want them to do, I guess. So yeah, um, yeah. Is, is there anything you'd like? Okay, let me rephrase. Is there anything you'd like to add to your line? Um. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you. Yeah. I don't know. You give me a few days. Think about that. When I get back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty happy with what I've got at the moment. Put it that way. So. They're doing Beautiful. a job on everything, so. That's a good. Question from right? um, Sabrina Lawrence. She's asked, <laughs> do you find different training bitches versus dogs? And is this the reason your team is dog dominated? 
Um, <laughs> Sabrina is a friend of ours. I was saying about Joker's crossbred litter. She's got one of the progeny and it actually does work sheep. <laughs> We've had that one on sheep. So, um, yeah, look, Sabrina, it's one of those things. Years ago, I found when I was at Westbrook, so I actually had a fairly dominant team of bitches where I had uh, four bitches and two males. And then guess what? You put one in pup and the rest come on season and you left the two dogs to carry six or eight dog workload. Um, so I promptly turned that around fairly smartly, uh, moved a couple of the bitches on and, and added a few more dogs. And just just mainly for that reason, it's it's just that, yeah, when you had a full-on bitch team, if you know what they're like, you've got a few in the camp, they all bring each other on season and, and you certainly don't want the mongrel trucky dogs getting to them while they're at work, so you leave them home. Like, it's just the way it goes. But yeah, as far as training goes, I, I don't believe there's any real difference in bitches and dogs. Every dog's different, and I've had bitches. Some of the bitches I've had in the past are harder and tougher than some of the dogs I've had. So it's um, it is what it is. So. What about having a male-dominated team? Like, does um, them like pissed on everything give you the shits at all? Or I had this oh, conversation Kevin. with someone today that actually wants to start swapping up their team to more Kevin. bitches. Kevin. Kennels are far enough away from my house, mate. They're not over here, so it's all right. They get let out. It's plenty of mallee trees over there. But, yeah, you're right. They, they are. They're dirty buggers around the place. And sometimes it annoys me, you know, like I'll, you'll be you'll be somewhere and you'll let a dog out because it's time to go again for the next run, pushing up. And, and the first thing your dog will do is go and piss on someone's toolbox or, you know what I mean? Like it's just they are dirty mongrel farm dogs at times. And, and it used to hurt me when I was shearing and the cocky's dog would walk past my toolbox in the shearing shed and pay on it and say, but yeah, but as far as bitches go, they are a lot cleaner and, and yeah, if they're living close to the house, bitches are probably better that way, for sure. Yeah. We've mentioned a couple of times this evening already about selling pups. Um, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to buy their first pup or going dog? Um, basically, research... Research the type of dog you want. If you've got a particular job you want to achieve with it, research the breeders that are breeding that type of dog. It's no good just grabbing one off the neighbour for 50 bucks because it might be a good dog. Research the breeders that, that are breeding the type of dogs you want and go to them fellas, have a look at their dogs and see how you go from there, pretty much. Be the best bit of advice I could give to someone looking for their first dog, I reckon. Love it. Good advice, mate. Good advice. <laughs> You've touched on trialing a couple of times, mate. How, how long have you been trialing? Well, um, what was it? I was about 19 when I had the first case. I've been getting close to 25 years now. So, yeah, been mucking around with it for a bit. And just yard trialing and utility trialing or, or some three sheep and cattle? You know, we, we haven't done any cattle ones because my dogs actually, most of them haven't met a cow yet. So, but, um, but yeah, no, definitely. Did, uh, did yard been over to South Australia here for a start and a couple of utilities early on. And then the sort of utilities disappeared from South Australia for a while, so I followed the yards up. But um, they started running the utility up at Melrose here and Gary White came over and whooped us all. And I went, well, i got to get better at outside obstacles. So I started going three-sheeping as well now and, and you actually find the three-sheep trawling now is more of a challenge than yard trawling for more. So you've got to have that much more on your dogs to, um, to be successful with it. So yeah, it's, that's probably made me get a get a few more bit of finesse more so on my dogs, I suppose, than I had. But I love nothing more than going to a yard trial and beating the Kelpies with Macaulay, and I love nothing better than going to a three sheep trial and beating the Collies with Macaulay. 
So, <laughs> it's fun. Gary, what? I don't think I've heard of that bloke before. Um, oh, mate, I've been telling him I'm going to get him one at Melrose, and last year I got to within one point. Last <laughs> year, he, he went all right at Queensland on the weekend. I see him there. I said, mate, I'm going to have to do a bit of training to try and keep up. I think in the next couple of weeks so, before we get to Melrose. So. <laughs> as we got into that, um, and we mentioned about cows, you said my dogs haven't seen a cow yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm gonna. Going to go and introduce them to cattle, mate. I've, I've bred pups in the past that have gone on but onto cattle places and work cattle, no worries. But but um, when I was working for, for Westbrooks at the feedlot there, the, the only cattle we'd feedlot were our station cattle and where their properties were up out of Timbara was wild dogs, so it was no good trying to put a dog in with them. The dog would end up killed and the cattle just get stirred up. So that was one of the policies when I started there. Your dogs don't work the cattle. I said, that's fine. And I said, I've been told before that cattle only wreck good sheep dogs. And, and so, yeah, but that didn't stop old Joker one day and I was trying to get some weather lambs in and one of these red Santa cows from the station was in the same paddock and she went after him. But anyway, he swung off for four times and before I put him on the uke, chased her with the uke. So <laughs> I thought, well, we'll work cattle if I let him. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah I've got young young Peter. I've been chatting him, Peter Bach, the Pinnery. He's got a few reasonably quiet um, young heifers down there, so I'm going to go down and introduce them to the cattle and see what they reckon. So that's my plan. And do you think that might open up a couple of different avenues for you um, when it comes back to trialling? Oh, it might do, mate. Yeah, if I can find a couple that are pretty happy to sort of have a go. I mean, I've done done enough goat work with them, and I feel they, they don't mind getting anybody up the goats, so I figure cattle are just a bigger version of them, really. Aren't they? No, <laughs> we'll see what happens, but yeah. I can't imagine there'll be any huge cattle trials running in South Australia in the next bit, so I'll have to probably look in the state if I have a go at that somewhere. But, but I like the idea of the, the USD and, and the SSD and that sort of thing. I reckon they're a good concept, and, yeah, I wouldn't mind having a crack at it, but there was no point to me entering the SSD at Melrose at um, Mansfield this year due to the fact my dogs don't know what cows are. So so that's probably why I'll more so while I'll introduce them to the cattle and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What? What is it about trolling that gets you going? Oh, I just love it, mate. It's you know, it's you could be especially when I was at the feed, like going hard all week and then just go away and catch up with mates and like minded people, you know. People that like the work stock with good dogs and, and just catching up with people. It's just like a bit of a family atmosphere over here, We're all pretty close to trawlers in South Australia and all get on well and it's usually a party when we get there, so <laughs> it's always a bit of fun, mate. Yeah. What makes a good trial then? Oh, what makes a good trial? Let me see. Um, oh, I don't know. I, I just sit there and I say that a, a bad day of trialing is better than a good day's work. So it's um, <laughs> actually a great trial for me to enjoy myself. But you, to go to a trial, you, you'd like a trial to be achievable for everyone if you can. If you can. But I also, I also am a big believer in I like to work tough sheep in the trial because I believe tough, tough sheep bring the best dogs to the top. So, um, you know, you want it to the point that it's achievable, but yet you want you want enough in your livestock to, to test the dogs, their full potential, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I suppose. And, and are we talking like real pinny type of sheep or sheep that want to fight? Or well, when it comes to yard trolling, I prefer them to run, and when it comes to three sheep, I prefer them to fight, if that makes sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so, I had this conversation exactly the same today with, with someone yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Whereas all the all the um the three sheep was like them to run where the dog don't have to get close. I'd 
I like I like the sheep that let the Kelpies get close to, yeah. Yeah, for that game. So, yes, but no, it's just yeah. And at the end of the day, like it, it really doesn't matter how the stock are. Um, yeah, I just enjoy the trial and and the test of it. And, and the way I look at it, you can only deal with the sheep that come out the gate or off the back of that trailer. And 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 you're a winner if you get them around the course and get the back gate sharp, regardless of what the judge says. And you're happy the way your dog worked. That's that's my attitude towards it. So yeah. Great attitude to have, mate. And I suppose if you put in the time and effort and your dogs have got a good relationship, you're not very rarely going to come away disappointed if they're giving you 100% and you're not letting them down as well, right? Yeah, exactly right, mate. Exactly. Yep. But so, it, I mean, you're right, Laura? There's a question here, and I don't know if it's a stitch up, but <laughs> I think it could be a bit of a joke at the same time. Yeah, yeah you got um, me worried. I think this person might know you, but... If dogs can only understand one word, why do you talk to your dogs in sentences when yard trialing? Because they're university students. <laughs> <laughs> because I suppose I'm one of them fellas that when I'm under pressure and things aren't going right, I sort of I mumble or talk to myself anyway. So I may as well be having a conversation with my dog as I'm going around the course. And, and yeah, it would be someone that knows me that's seen me trial because I often will if something's going pear-shaped, I'll just go, oh, you're a clown or something like that as I'm going. You know, like it's... I mean, you can't, it's no good getting angry and frustrated about it. You're not going to change the situation. So you just have a bit of a chuckle and call the dog something silly or a peanut or whatever and keep going. So, yeah, but no, it's all good fun. Love the relationship that you, you're putting past here that you have with your dogs, mate. Like you, you said that tonight, like a lot of it seems to be light human kind of a relationship yeah. you have with your dogs. Yep. Really, really love it. Yeah. That's good fun. There, me, mate. But at the end of the day, that's you're with them what more than you're with your family, right? So they have yep. to be mates. Yep, exactly. So you're not you're not going to take a mate away that you don't get on with, are you? So you're going to load up your best mates and go, come on, boys, road trip, let's go. So, Speaking of, how far are you prepared to travel for a trial? For a trial? Oh, we've done the WA trip once. We're planning on doing it again next year. So yeah, actually, you're representing. Uh, will be next year. Yep. 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 Yeah, I think um, I'll be representing with Kelval Gus. And I think old Joker will get the other rep job for South Australia again on his way to 10 year old. So I don't know how many more of them he's got left in the books. Here he goes. So, our listeners out there that may not understand that, mate, do you just want to elaborate on that for us a little bit? Uh, the two dogs I'll represent with for South Australia next year over in Western Australia, the two highest placed South Australian dogs at our state championship back in March. Uh, Gus was runner-up um, to Josh Laddie from Victoria and then Joker actually just missed the top 10 and finished about 11th, I think, or 11th or 12th. So, so yeah, they're the two highest-placed dogs and that's how we've been picking our state reps over here in SA for the last, oh, I don't know how many years. So, but, yeah, work it like that. Love it. Um, we often hear the debate trial dogs don't make work dogs and work dogs don't make trial dogs what are your thoughts clearly you do both with yours but yeah i look I, I, years ago i went to pick up a pup from an old mate and i pulled up there and i let my dogs out and he goes oh you got your trial dogs your work dogs home i said mate that is my work dogs like it's it's just one of those things realistically trialing is just an extension of real work in my opinion um all you're doing is taking the dog and putting him in a situation to test him to his full potential. And, 
and 99% of the times you'll be doing the same thing with him on a daily basis at work, just you can move around and help him a little bit more. You know what I mean? So it's, it's really, yeah, my, my main trial team is my main work team. And if they don't make the grade for the work team, they'll never hit the trial ramp. Simple as that. So work comes first and, and trialing's a bonus on the weekend. So that's, that's my sort of my thoughts on it. Mate, I love the way you approach things. How about, how do you approach nerves? Do you, do you get any nerves? Nah, it's all fun, mate. I'm just going yeah, to I don't know how, but I knew that was going to be your answer. I'm just going out there for fun, mate. I really am. And, and as I said, you can only deal with what comes out that gate or that trailer. And regardless of what the judge says, if you're happy with, with the way your best mates performed, you're going to be happy. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's just, to me, trialing's fun, regardless of regardless of what it is. So, yeah. Is, is there a favourite trial, mate? Melrose would be one of my favourites. Melrose Utility is always good fun up there because um, it's a mixed, it's, it's the only utility we have in South Australia. Oh, until recently, we hoping to get a, another one going down in Counter Bay. We had one down there the other day. That was good fun. Um, oh, yeah, probably Yard Trials, the Lucendale, the Lucendale Field Dose Trials. Always really enjoy that. It's always good, tough competition down there. We get plenty of border hoppers there, and it's where we generally hold our Australians in South Australia when they come down. So, yeah, it's always good. Good one down there too. So, yeah, but yeah, any trial is probably my favourite, really, because it means I'm at a trial, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, any advice to someone wanting to come into the working dog world? Oh, let me see. Um, go in with an open mind. Don't limit yourself to one particular way of training or working or, yeah, open your mind. Be willing to learn from everyone. It's probably the best way you can approach it. Um, I'm, you know, I'm just a fellow that likes helping people, but doesn't mean my way is going to necessarily suit someone or someone else or whatever, but you can learn something from everyone. And as we were saying before about digging into the toolbox to try and help people with dogs at their schools and that, you know, at times I, I learn stuff myself. Or, um, yeah, you'd really do. It's just the way it is. But yeah, don't don't limit yourself to, to one way or one method. Get to as many sort of well working dog schools and that type of thing as you can and, and learn something from everyone. So and build build your own style from there. It's sort of the way I, I treated my shear and I, I learned a bit off everyone and worked out what worked for me and went with it from there and, and the the working dog world's no different really. So but yeah. You mentioned twisty a bit earlier. What about when it came to trialing? Was there any people that you might have considered mentors or you tried to shape a little bit of yourself? Yeah, yeah, twisty. He was yeah, a trial. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, him, him, John Laddie. John Laddie helped me a lot. And uh Ricky Jones. Yep. Had a fair bit to do with Ricky years ago. Yeah, and he he helped me a lot too. And yeah, still good mates with Rick. Don't see him often enough, but it was good to catch up you know, up at Mansfield back in, in March, April, whenever it was. But yeah. Those sort of fellas, the fellas that were, were out there week in, week out and doing well, you know, you aspired to be like them. So you, you got as much help off them as you could and, and then you went out there and eventually you sort of caught up with them and, yeah, good fun. So. Ricky rather chase the clay targets these days, mate. Yeah, mate, I know that. That's all right. Not, I wouldn't not too bad on the, on the track. Yeah. <laughs> so. what, what about, um, have you got a most memorable moment or or a, a an achievement that you find more um, you high hold high in regard. Oh, oh I've, <laughs> it's 
pretty happy winning five South Australian State Yard titles, I suppose. But but um, probably my main one I'd have at the moment happened Farmer Sheepdog Child last year when I went out there with um, Kelvile Gus and won the Novice Improver and the Open at the same trial and then and then won the Trans Tasman with old Paddy the Wonder Dog as well. Like I was pretty happy with that for a bunch of yard dogs running around on three sheep course. So yeah, I held that one pretty high. It's pretty pretty good memory for me. So. Congratulations, yeah. mate. That's pretty cool. Paddy the Wonder Dog, I loved it. <laughs> well, I always called him Paddy the Wonder Dog because at times you wonder what the hell he's going to do next. <laughs> <laughs> he's your crossbred fella, yeah? Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was actually a representative dog for South Australia at Mansfield, but he's getting he's getting a bit slow now and doesn't like the back that much anymore. So now you think he's part Hunterway when he gets frustrated. He just drives his head down the side and starts barking, and that's about all you get out of him. So. <laughs> He's a good old dog to in, good old work dog. Is there anyone you'd like to see us sit down and have a chat with on Dog Talk? Um, yeah, we had a bit of a chat about this. There's a few blokes come to mind. I've, I've mentioned John Laddie before. He was always a good fella to have in, very knowledgeable, um, good with dogs and good dogs too. And his son, Josh, good fella too, the same. Um, yeah, and then the other bloke I thought of would be Joe Gerritsen, where I got Joker from, I reckon. He, you know, he still runs a... Runs a team of collies. He, he's been up in Queensland there the last few years um, working on a goat property with him. So he'd probably be worth a look. So, Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. And so Was there a question that stood out for you tonight? And that will win a bag of enduro high food for working dogs with real kangaroo, mate? Oh, hell. Now yeah, I've got to remember what they were. Um, yeah, I know they were. Um, <laughs> What was the um, not Dave's question? Um, <laughs> oh, the hey, scrubbed him. Not Dave's. He's gone. No, nah, not Dave's. Bugger him. No, no, that was that was a common question. I already knew that one was coming. Um, <laughs> uh, one about oh the the question about that might but could I take the dogs I've got now out to do a mustering job? I reckon. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. so. We'll yep. get his details and, yeah, yep. get that bag off to him. Congratulations, John. Bag and dog feed coming your way. And um, for being a guest tonight, Lee, there's also one coming your way, mate. Thanks yeah. very much for giving us your time. Oh, good, mate. It's been fun. Well, it's not over yet. You still have the hard <laughs> question of the night. One no. last question. Would you rather fight one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks and why? Oh, I'd have a crack at the one duck the size of a horse because I reckon yesterday uh, – I, hit, <laughs> I fought 425 lambs. It felt like bloody 100 ducks, I suppose. So, <laughs> 100 kicking little horses, I suppose. So, anyway, yeah, I reckon I'd have the, have the one crack at it and be done with it and have to keep lining up. <laughs> awesome. Get it over and done with, mate. That's the go. That's it. <laughs> mate, thank you very much for giving us your time tonight. We really appreciate it. Yep, no worries. And to everyone um, listening, oh, actually, just before we sign off there, um, anyone that may be in the um, Sydney Hawkesbury um, Basin, uh, Sydney Yard Trials on this weekend. So three sheep start on Thursday, run till Sunday. Yard start on Saturday, um, Saturday, Sunday. Um, you come out there, you're going to see Laura's pretty face, um, a whole heap of the other um, helpers in the Hawkesbury. Um, and, hey, I might even make appearance myself. No, I'm always going to do that. But um, anyone's welcome to come out there and um, – and get involved, help out the yards or even just 
have a squeeze of what we do out there. So please um, make yourself welcome and uh, come say good day. Um, pretty family out. Um, to everyone that's listening tonight, thank you very much. Um, everyone listening back, please remember we learn every day and the day we stop learning will be a sad one for all of us. Thank you. Thanks, guys.